listening to ComedySlamRadio.com. From our studios to the world, we bring you the finest in quality entertainment. So pop some popcorn, grab a smooch buddy, and settle in for another fine show from ComedySlamRadio.com. Thank you for tuning in to the Let's Be Frank show on ComedySlamRadio.com where we bring you national touring and celebrity comedian interviews. Follow us on Twitter at Let's Be Frank Show. And if you miss our live broadcast, you can find us on Stitcher Radio and iTunes at Let's Be Frank's Podcast. And please contact us with any questions or information about advertising and sponsoring at Let's Be Frank with Dave Frank at Yahoo.com. And good evening. Welcome to the Let's Be Frank show with Dave Frank. I want to thank everybody for tuning in again tonight. This week we have a very great and very funny comedian, Patrick Keene. How you doing, Patrick? Good, Dave. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you. Good for to take, be here. Thank you. Thank you for taking out some time from your busy schedule to call in. Uh, I mean, you've of been... Of course. Thank you. Uh, so tell us, man. I know, we, I know we spoke a little bit here and there coming up to the show. Uh, are you out in California now, or are you out traveling on the yeah. road? Uh, I'm out in L.A. I just did uh, Richmond, Virginia last week, and then I'm headed to uh, Boston this weekend. And uh, so it's nice. It's nice in between gigs to come back to L.A. because uh, it's pretty nice weather most, most yeah. of the year. Yeah, it looks like you're booked out in L.A. a lot towards the end of the year in Irvine and Burbank, and then you're heading yeah, up to... Yeah, so you get nice local gigs. And I'll tell you, when you're doing shows out here uh, in California, L.A. in particularly... Uh, you never know who's in the audience. You know, it's casting directors or, or, or writers, exactly. producers that they'll throw you in a show. And, you know, if that show sticks, then all of a sudden you're famous and, and it might not have to do anything, anything to do with your comedy. But if that show gets known, then, then that helps your stand up because then you can go work at two or three times the price of what you're we're making. Right. Which and I hear isn't really that much out there. The, right. The pay's yeah. falling a lot. Yeah, it really has dropped off since like the eighties and nineties. It's uh, it's just so saturated, you know. Right, it's a rough gig. Uh, you know, there's always opportunities, and people talk about, oh, maybe I should head to L.A. and it's crazy. I had yeah, to I would only do that if if someone wants to be a celebrity, if they want to, uh, you know, be an actor, then do that. But if if you just pure stand up, which so so many so rare, so few are, mm-hmm. uh, if you're just a pure stand up, then you can work the you know the East Coast, the Midwest. And just kind of work the road, and, and eventually, like, eventually they come to you. Like, if you're a Brian Regan, you know, he never, he, I don't think Great he dwelled in, in L.A., and eventually you, people come to them. Right. And, you know, that's, you know, I, I boast a little bit on the show about having some great celebrity call-ins. And, you know, I did 40 or 43 shows, and maybe that accounts for 10 to, you know, maybe 10% to 15% of the shows have really been big, huge celebrities. Most of the people that call in like yourself, are just touring comedians that have been in it for 10 years, 20 years, sometimes sure. eight years, you know, just that's what they do. They're just hardworking people and they do comedy. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a lot like minor league baseball. You know, you still do the traveling, but you don't come out so far ahead financially. But I don't know. There's something about you that keeps pushing you to do it. Right. So, yeah. So what was it for you? What what brought you to the stage the first time? What made you decide, I want to go to my first open mic? Was it a drunken bet? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good call. I think you know what it is. I think performing a lot of times is the shy person's revenge. It's the shy person <laughs> getting back at humanity because uh, that's the only way they can do it. You know, maybe one-on-one they're not so good, but they love getting up in front of people. 
and uh, and just doing their thing in front of crowds, and then behind the scenes or behind you know the the, the screen, they're uh, very you know uh, you know they're in they're uh, internal people. They're very quiet. Right. But uh, but you know I wanted to write screenplays, and I wrote a screenplay in college, and I graduated, and people said, oh well, you know the quickest way to be seen is to be an actor, but that also takes a lot of years uh, of training and whatnot. But the, even the quickest way to be seen is doing stand-up comedy. You can get on stage tonight. I mean, like, exactly. you decided that day. You know, there's an open mic out there somewhere you can go find. And what's nice about out in L.A., as you said, you just don't know who's sitting there. They could just oh, be yeah. out it for drinks be, yeah. with the boys. and room be... with ten people, and, uh, you know, somebody's on a show or somebody uh, wrote a show or produced a show or, or whatever. And yeah. a lot of times it's artists just helping other artists because the executives and, and these people that are in development, they don't know what they're looking for until it walks into the room. There you go. That's an interesting yeah. way to think about it. Because I'm nowhere yeah, near that so. scene. I mean, there's not, you know, it's not New York City here, obviously, and it's not L.A. So when you're doing comedy, you know, in Tampa, there's a handful of really big clubs. And then, you know, it's comedians putting on shows with, you know, local establishments, whether it's bars or local theaters. And, yeah. you know, that's how it goes. There's only so many big clubs. I think here we have four or five big clubs. Uh, sure. Yeah, we have the improv. You probably in Tampa. I mean, you guys got more strip clubs, probably, right? Really oh, cool. this is like right the stripper hall of fame out here. It's it's yeah. almost disgusting. Uh, yeah. You got to yeah. be afraid to touch the street poles around here. You never know who's been dancing on them. Jeez, yeah, it's yeah, funny. It's, uh, yeah. They tried. I tried to do comedy at a strip club once, and it was like, really? Why? Why are we even trying this? <laughs> you know, this one of my, not, you know, it's the funny p- bone is not the most important bone in the human body, guys. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. My second paid gig was actually at a strip club. It was horrible. I think I had, I'm a fat guy. I think I had the biggest breast there. It was great. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was, they were there in Florida then. Yeah. Yeah. It was in, uh, like Hudson, Florida. The, the, The name of it was like horrible. It was in a strip mall that was totally isolated. Uh, the only, I mean, there's nobody in the whole strip mall. The only one that was there was this private, whatever the name of the place was. It was private something. And it, it was just horrible. The girls looked like crackheads. Uh, the most yeah. disgusting thing was the fat girl behind the bar wearing a thong. And I had oh. to go, and I had to go with the draft beer because I noticed that she kept the bottle opener. It was like this long metal bottle opener in her ass cheek in between the thong and oh, her big no. ass. God. Yeah. And I see all these yeah, guys, and shit, they're cracking a bottle of beer. I'm like, I'm going to take a draft, you know? Oh, <laughs> it was that's brutal. Yeah, it was high class. But I, I think I got twenty bucks, and some guy gave me two bucks to get off the stage. So it was twenty two dollars. It was a great night. <laughs> oh man, that's like a, that's hilarious. You get paid for not playing. That's like a Marx Brothers sketch yeah. or something. That's oh, great. it was awesome. So, but, uh, where was yeah, your first? comedy What's experience that? where was your first comedy experience where'd you do it first what state uh the open mics i grew up in orange county california and uh they had open mics down every monday night they had an open mic at the irvine improv which is a really nice club and i went one week and it was it was really bad the open mic and i thought well i can be that bad right now so i'll just go up next week and give it a shot and it, it just never went bad enough it, it never went so horribly that i was going to quit you know i mean there are some bad shows but it, the thing is when it goes bad then you're like well i'm not going out like that if i go out it's going to be on a good show and then you do a good show and you're like oh i'm going to stay in this 
So you're you're never. <laughs> it's this spiral. It's this uh, nosedive, and yes. you just can't get out of the loop. You know. Yeah, it's uh, it's the entertainment crack because you know you know th- this is like the pot. This is the gateway drug is getting into stand up comedy because as you said, you can take it in so many avenues, but a good stand up just sticks with his stand up, or you know you get a true pothead out there, and that's all they do. But it can right. lead to so much more if you let it. You got to be careful, or you got to be open to a lot of things when it comes to comedy. You know? Yeah, you really do. There's so many variables. I was thinking about it the other night. How uh, I'm in the club doing the show, or in the bar doing a show, and everybody's drinking, and the MC keeps plugging out called you know deals, liquor sales, and I'm like, you know, when I was growing up, or when we, all of us are growing up, and we're watching funny movies as kids or funny TV shows, alcohol really has nothing to do with it. You know, we're we're watching funny TV with our friends, right? Or, or we're, we're at the movie watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off or something, you know, some classic. One of my all-time favorites. And all of a sudden, we get into comedy, and we get into live performance, and then alcohol sales, and it's like, wow, I don't, this is a whole new element, because being drunk shouldn't have anything to do with, like, I don't know. And they say it in the beginning but of the show, almost everywhere you go, yeah. there's a two-drink minimum, because the more you drink, the funnier the shit gets. Right. That, you know, you right. hear that all the time when you go to shows. I'm like, wow. That means I suck, oh. and you have to be drunk to laugh at me. That's horrible. <laughs> right. This guy oh, really God, sucks. Right. I recommend you get a shot of Jaeger and get it to kill a chaser. Oh yeah, we're not paying Straight him. <laughs> so yeah, I try to stay. I try to stay sober. I, I never really drink before. I never have even one drink before going on. But sometimes, if the sh- if the crowd is awful, then it's like, oh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to be drunk for this. Then, and I just have them bring me drinks up on stage. Because I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna hold out on alcohol for you people to not laugh at my jokes. There you go. Um, you know, so yeah. For me, I'm not really a big drinker. You know, sometimes yeah. you go up there with a, I go up there with a bottle of beer because it, it's easier to drink from a bottle of beer than it is from the friggin' straw they give you in a Coca Cola. Oh yeah, yeah. So you yeah. sip on a beer, but it's never been my thing. Um, but you know, it is people. I, I don't pay too much attention to what. I shouldn't say that. I pay a lot of attention to what all the other comics do, but if they want to drink and they, you know, God bless them, do what you want. If you can keep yeah. your wits about you and do it, great. If you're getting booked and you're happy, God bless. Enjoy your life. Yeah, you know, power make, to you. Like, like Stan Hope can drink, Henry Phillips can drink. Those guys can make it happen. Kyle Kinane, um, myself, I, I can't do it. I need yeah. to be in control every second. Yeah, uh, I did a show. It was a it was a really nice showcase open mic at a local bar here, where they do comedy shows a few times a year, and it was great. Mm-hmm. I actually had a beer or two before I went on, but you know it was like a almost like an hour before I went on or, or so. But it was great. There was a lot uh, a, a a good amount of people at an open mic that weren't comics, which here in this area is hard to find. I would imagine in L A. it's a lot more people come out to shows more often because it's a bigger city. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you never, like, I was running an open mic, not an open mic, but kind of a smaller book show at a bar years ago, about 10 years ago, and the talent that would walk in the room, I, I couldn't believe it, um, because, you know, all these headliners and these famous people, comics or otherwise, they have to live somewhere in L.A., so no matter where you do a show, you know, one night uh, I had Ian Bag, Doug Stanhope, uh, Judah Friedlander, uh, Bobby wow. Lee, Nick Swartzen, they all kind of lived in the area, so they just came by. And I'm one, two years into stand-up, and I've got these five, six headliners. <laughs> and it's just like, whoa, Like this is huge. Jay Moore popped in, wow. and uh, 
and you know this and this crowd you know here in LA and, and New York too they get these free shows you know Louis CK will drop in and it's like oh wow I didn't even pay to get in and I'm seeing you know this is an $80 ticket or a $100 ticket exactly uh, and it's funny because I have talked to a lot of people uh, like Bobby Collins someone who really doesn't need mm-hmm. to go to open mics at all anymore right. he's like you know if I ever have five or ten new minutes of things that he goes, I go to the same place and they let him just do open mic and try out new stuff. And he says, you know, he still likes yeah. to stop by some of the other clubs and you know the camaraderie and hanging out and you see that. Yeah, uh, and that guy's a legend. So yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, and it's one of the things I and you're going to get right up right on yeah. the stage. But it's one of the things I like about comedy. Uh, you know, you'll see some people in comedy that are just to themselves, you know, they don't really care about everybody around them, and they're just in it for sure. themselves and doing their thing. But you always got a lot of comedy uh, comics that have, you know, they're 25 years in the industry, and, you know, they toured forever, and maybe they stay in their state now, and they're always out at the shows talking to people, giving advice, talking about what it was like to be on the road, and in the industry, people just seem to give a lot back, more so than yeah. other work yeah, environments. I think every, anybody's interested in talking about themselves, right? I don't I think if you <laughs> ask about them, then they'll be happy to talk to you. I think normally, um, you know, it's and it's and it's like I, I think with a lot of the bigger names, whether they're celebrities, comics, or, or celebrity comics, whatever. I think as long as the questions are specific, you know, because a lot of times you go up to someone, "Hey, I'm a big fan." Well, nobody knows how to respond to that. Like, oh, okay, cool, thanks, handshake, see you later. But if it's like, hey, man, when you were shooting this years ago or when you did this album or when you were living in New York that night, then, then they're, they chime. It's like, oh, okay, cool, something that he can grasp onto or she can yeah. grasp onto. So, a little meat and potatoes in the conversation. A, listener, a lesson for all listeners is if you ever meet a celebrity, just have something a little more specific than jaw-dropping you know, fanfare. Right. Um, you know, try to ask him something. Yeah, or bring up, you know, this was why you're my fan, or why I'm your fan. These are the things that you do I like. Right. Yeah, you just say, hi, I'm your number one fan, and great. So is the 600 people before you said that. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I know Bill, I heard Bill Russell, the famous basketball player, I heard he doesn't do autographs. He'll, like, shake your hand, he'll talk to you, take a picture with you, but he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do an autograph. Like, I just, it's just so impersonal, and you just want to take something away. But, But I'm happy to share, you know, some time. There you go, because that's, well, that's then cool. that's what it should be about. It's about the experience. Anything right. else is about the value of that signature, whether it's to the value of you now or what you're going to eBay it for one day. And right, I think, right. And I think that's where a lot of celebrities get the idea that you know they want to tone back on what they do because 25 years ago there was no internet. You you signed something, you know, the odds of that being yeah. sold or you know made public for everybody were slim. Now it's a golden nugget for someone to make money on. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of shiftiness out there. Absolutely. A lot of shadiness. And there's shadiness but, uh, in comedy. How, have you, what, what kind of shadiness you come across coming across the country there, traveling around, well, yeah, dealing with you different have, you bookers? Have joke stealing, and, which I've never, uh, I've never, that's never, I've never had a problem with, mostly because I steal other comics' jokes. There but, you go. Uh, hey, it, hey, it got yeah. you on The Late Show, Comic Unleashed, you worked with Tony Rock, all sorts of great guys, so... Steal yeah. away, man, if that's your bit. <laughs> yeah, Have yeah. you ever really no, been... I, um, I would never... I would think... Um, I don't think I could. Sometimes, you know, jokes overlap with comics. Absolutely. Naturally, all these comics thinking 100 miles an hour, and they have the same train of thought. So sometimes they overlap. If it's a longer bit that's word for word, then it's going to get... Then there's yeah. going to be a problem. 
No one ever accused you of stealing a joke or anything, have they? That would be a horrible experience. Yeah, I've never had that happen to me either way. Um, I have said a couple jokes before. Uh, Actually, just once I posted a joke, and somebody wrote me, hey, this is such and such a joke from a few years ago, and I was like, oh, okay, then I just dropped it. So I was like, you know, I'm going to keep writing. I don't need to worry. I don't need to cling on to every joke. And uh, it's not that you steal it. It's just that maybe there's overlap. Um, But uh, there are some people that are infamous for it. Well, um, it turns out that the people that normally steal jokes, they they kind of out themselves when you know all you hear is regurgitated material, and yeah, you know they don't come up with a new original thought, and you know it takes time. I mean, I'm far from someone that can judge that yet, but it's just a fact that it's out there. I mean, everybody's heard about people getting confronted. You know, Carlos Mencia got confronted with all that stuff. Uh, so I mean, sure. it's out there. You know. It's craziness, yeah. but hey, it, it makes for a little bit more attention to the comedy world. So, some people will say any exposure is good exposure. So, anything that brings some more light to comedy, he'll get over it. He's still making money. Oh yeah, he's doing all right. I think. <laughs> we all right for a while, um, but uh, I, I'd say some of the other scandalous things are just maybe club club owners, and they can be pretty shady, and. Uh, you know, you're a big name. Like I was opening for Swartzen once, and we were at a club, and he he was he didn't treat the uh, the manager that well. And I was like, hey, you're not being very nice to her. And he said, oh, you'll see. He's like, just wait, wait till you're not opening for me and just out there on your own. Uh, you know how nice some of these club managers are to you. And uh, sure enough, I got out on my own, and you see, you get roughed up a little bit. But um, but. And and this particular manager was was pretty mean to him when he was coming up, and now he's big big name. So he was like kind of pushing back a little bit. Uh, you know, it happens. Yeah, the pay definitely isn't what it what it was. What's that? It happens, man. It's it's rolling with the punches. That's in any industry. You're going to deal with some creeps or some crummy people. Whether you mm-hmm. work, well, you know, it's it's a it's a horrible part because when you're out there a comic and you're on the road, though you really need to depend on those people because you know it's. There's a lot of comics that just are living from gig to gig, traveling on the road, and you don't get paid or you have a problem with a gig, you might not be able to make it to your next gig. So oh, it's, yeah. it's rough out there. I, I, I kind of laugh because I didn't start comedy till I was 38, and I, I wow, couldn't yeah. imagine yeah. not having a full-time job. I mean, I couldn't picture myself doing this full-time for a while. I mean, it's it would be rough to walk away from what I consider a pretty good damn job to to concentrate just on comedy without some kind of a guarantee. I need like a million dollars in the bank or something. I need, right. a lot, I need a lot of money to make me feel comfortable that I could just walk away. Oh God. Yeah. That'd be nice. Man. Or, or at least more Everybody than my wants that. Yeah. Everybody or, wants that last, like that last job before they hit Mexico. We're going to rob this last bank and then we're going to go to Mexico <laughs> or, or, you know, or I'm going to go back for one more gig or, or some assassin goes back for one more kill and that's, that's it. That's it. And then that's, they always get caught and die at the end and have to give the girl. There you go. The money. <laughs> hey, at least maybe I think I should make sure that I have a good fifteen minutes of material before I quit my job. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Don't uh, <laughs> don't go. I mean, I could do fifteen. Yeah, that doesn't something. mean it's, it's like good. any other job. You want to have something lined up first, especially in this economy, boy. Don't. I wouldn't advise anybody to just jump into this. I don't know. It's scary. I've seen some people who thought they can just jump in. And they were like, yeah, I'm going to make it. And they didn't even make it to like the fifth open mic. And they're just, oh, God, you, you got to well, be thick shelled in this place. You know, this is a 
if you ain't got thick skin, you're not going to make it in comedy or anything almost to deal with people. So it's it's amazing how quickly people get crushed or bitter over little things. Yeah, it is, and, and it's and it's it's so much attrition, and it's so much you know stick to itiveness because it's not stand up's not always filled with the world of stand up isn't filled with necessarily the funniest people. It's filled with a lot of lunatics that can't <laughs> get heard or seen anywhere else. You know, so it's like this is all they've got. Yes. And, you know, and it's, and it's about the crazy, like I know three or four guys that I grew up with are funnier than most of the comics I meet, you know? Right. But, so uh, for a lot of them, it's therapy. Oh, I, I, and for me, it is a lot. I deal with, uh, I'm in, in a sales environment in retail and, you know, working with yeah. the public fucking sucks, you know? It, right. If I could make the same amount of money stocking the shelves, I would just cause cans and boxes don't talk back yeah and and i'll tell you with, with what you do and what we do with stand-up i mean and you especially with sales as well is uh you understand people more than they understand themselves you see them for what they are more than they see them yeah for themselves. like i talk to my brother my sister my mom and i'm like you don't see what i see like the people are can be pretty rotten you absolutely know? can be pretty rotten oh people are miserable and, uh, especially when it comes to their money or their electronics or if they think that you're not doing the right thing especially in a down economy people are quick uh, to lash out throw things it's i've seen some comical stuff yeah yeah i mean you you work you work retail or customer service and uh it's brutal that's why like a lot of comedy clubs i i feel much more comfortable if they have a good security team yeah, a like, couple okay, of big bouncers. Because I've been to a few places where I'm like, who's security here when this place is filled with drunk uh, motorcycle gang? <laughs> and then it's some short, chubby girl going, oh, that's me. I handle it. And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. I'm nice. out of here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so where's the comic the... wants to just do their act. They don't want to have to worry about, you know, fighting, fighting, physically fighting people. Right. Definitely not. It's bad enough fighting for jokes on stage. You know, oh, yeah. you get that one or two lines that maybe don't go over, and you get that quick "oh shit" feeling, and then you just got to roll through it, or address oh. it, or figure out how you're going to handle it and keep going through it. Um, yeah, you know. So, let me ask you a question: Growing up, who yeah. were some of your favorite comics, and do they still have an influence in the way you're doing comedy today? That's a great question because I know so many people who got into it. Uh, because of certain comics and their style completely veered off. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, I loved Seinfeld. I loved okay. the show. I loved his act. Because he's middle upper class, and I was from kind of a middle upper class Orange County background. So, you know, I wasn't brought up in the hood or swearing all the time, uh, as you can see in my act probably. And yes. So nice I really middle class him. I American. Like Chandling. I like that offbeat stuff. Um. And, and yeah, they still, there still is influence. Um, I like Bill Murray and Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. Uh, now that's a great name. Yeah. Nobody said him to me in 40 plus shows. Nobody's ever said Gene Wilder to me. That is great. Oh yeah. He was the best. He just, I mean, the camera, you know, he knew where the camera was and I mean, every little line and look, because those guys to me are, are comics as well. I mean, they were comedy influences. And I feel like, especially nowadays, stand-up is a lot of yelling, and it's a lot about being loud. Uh, when, like, what you know, Bill Murray, Gene Wilder, like Jerry Seinfeld, they 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 know where the camera is. They they let it come to them. I I think Chris Rock's weakness as an actor is that he tries to 
fill the camera lens like he fills an arena. And it's like, hey, man, the camera's picking up everything, so you need to dial it back. You know, take it down a notch as an actor. Interesting but thought. Incredible. Absolutely. And I heard, uh, and it's funny because I heard uh, Ozzy being interviewed, Ozzy Osbourne, and they were asking about his musical influences, and it was the Beatles. And I thought that was wow. so funny that these styles are very different, I'd have to yes. say. Yes. Absolutely uh, different. But that's, you know, the beauty of it. Absolutely. You would, I wouldn't have not expected to hear that at all. Definitely not. Yeah. So when you're traveling around now, are you picking out your own uh, feature acts, or do you let the bars and clubs pick them out for you? Uh, right now, since I'm just I'm starting to headline B rooms, and I'm opening for bigger acts in the bigger rooms, so I'm not able to, to – I don't have that leverage with clubs and bookers to say, hey, I'm going to bring this guy along with me. Okay. You know? But I'd like to. It's it's fun because then you know who what is going to happen to the audience. A lot of times, someone if they're mismatched, you got an act going on before a different act, and I got to follow someone who just played a guitar, right? <laughs> or who who who's you know taking their clothes off and dancing around and doing crowd work, and it's like okay, that that's not going to work. Now we're going to lose the audience because these styles are not a good fit. But uh, I definitely like it. Josh Sneed has brought me out to a lot of places. A lot, as a matter of fact. For the rest of the year, I'm going to be with him a lot of weeks uh, coming up, which will be fun. And I think our styles are just different enough that it's it's good for the audience. They get a taste of everything. That's you know that's great. Um, and Josh needs a great guy, funny guy. He called in last week. We talked about almost no comedy and all wrestling and random stuff. It, it oh was, yeah, yeah, he's well versed. <laughs> it was very interesting. Um, so how do you like working with Josh out on the road? You guys have melded uh, melded pretty well. Yeah, yeah, we've worked together uh, twice, and then uh, we have a couple weeks coming up here um, through the rest of the year. And, yeah, it, it goes well. I like He doesn't drink, which I like, because it's a nice break from all the other maniacs that I perform with. That's because he's a dad and, with a wife. Yeah, he's a papa. You know, he's got to be responsible. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike yourself and, and myself, great. we have no responsibility, no wives, no kids. Maybe, you know, yeah, that's nice. an empty bottle of vodka or something sitting in the bathroom. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. And Josh, uh, by his own admission, knows food, which I like. He has great taste in food. And he knows sports really well, which uh, I trust that. I don't, I, don't, I don't trust people when they hate sports completely. It's like, well, that makes me wonder about you. You don't have to love it or you don't have to uh, have played it, but right. people have a, a thing against it. I don't, I don't trust right. that. I don't have anything against it. I played some sports growing up. Uh, I like going to sporting events, uh, yeah. whether it's live baseball games, football games, whatever it is. It's harder for me to watch sports on TV because um, okay. you know. I mean, I could watch the Super Bowl and World Series and some footballs here, you know, football games here and there, even some basketball. But there's nothing like being at a live event. You know, oh, yeah. uh, it's different than oh, watching yeah. comedy on TV. Although now I find it harder to watch comedy on TV and not critique. Like even, it was funny, as I said, I was watching some of your stuff that you had done when you were on uh, the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. Sure. And I, I was watching, because you always watch to see what some comedians do, and it's something that I haven't mastered yet or even really tried to do, is sometimes you'll get your laugh by just a facial expression as opposed to even a word. Or it's that, you know, that there's that two seconds of you not talking that the audience is laughing. They slow down and 
you smirk your cheek or something and, you know, they explode again for another 30 seconds. You know, so I haven't oh, used yeah. a lot of the facial expressions to work into my comedy or not knowingly anyway. You know, I'm not knowingly doing it. So I think there's an art behind that. Yeah, a lot that. of that gets lost. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an art behind TV how to do TV that. Or, you know, you're listening to stand-up on, on the radio. But that live performance, when it goes, because I see so much stand-up that when I see great stand-up, I'm like, oh, that's right. This is what that's like. <laughs> I forgot because I've been watching so much crap for the last 11 years that uh, this is why I got into it. You know, if you, if you like, out in L.A., I caught Andy Kindler last week. And I'm like, oh, he went on. It was like 10 comics. Nine of them are terrible. And then Kindler goes on and crushes. And uh, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is, I forgot what this feels like. It was so fun. Or like a Mark Marin or a Craig Robinson. Yeah. And uh, it's just nice. It's nice. That's one thing about L.A. and New York is you get you get guys in their first year doing shows with, you know, big names, Tosh, you know, stuff like that. It's Absolutely. Funny. And it's great experiences. You know, it's it's those experiences that make you better. You know, I get to work with a lot of great comedians down here, but, you know, talking with people like yourself or when some of the celebrities call in and when they invite me to their shows and they talk to me backstage about comedy a little bit, it's the, you just yeah. got to suck up all those moments. I mean, that's that's your college right there. That's comedy college. Yeah, it is. It's it's amazing. It's in, in one little sentence what they'll say. Uh, and I with younger comics, like guys that are just starting, I, I, I always kept my mouth shut, and if someone wanted to, you know, I'd ask a question, but I would never try to add to an answer. And I think that's a mistake of some novices to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, all oh, right, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, or, uh, oh, oh, right, uh, you know, um, you know, Mark Maron, oh, oh, and they try to add to it. Oh, I know about it. And it's like, dude, just shut your mouth and let them tell their story. Uh, Absolutely. Know, listen to them. You're going to learn. And they say and, it all the time. Don't be overeager. No, definitely not. No. You don't want to be overeager. You want to just when they're around when when big celebrities or celebrity comedians are around other people who do the same thing, they just want to be treated like everybody else. If you're yeah, you know, yeah, you're doing you stand up, wanna... they know that you know that they're very successful in stand up and odds are you're gonna have some conversation, but at the end of the day they're just a comic and they, they're the ones who are in that lucky spot. Their talent got shined upon at a great time. You know? Mm-hmm. A lot of it is, you know, the right, you know, being at the right place at the right time. And a lot of comics will say, you know, if I wasn't at that place the first time, none of this else would have happened. I almost didn't go to the club that night. You know, there's all sorts of those stories out there. Oh, they're, yeah, they're countless. Yeah, I mean, Pat, look and at Pat Nob. You just continue to make yourself available to, yeah. you know, as cheesy or, or whatever as it sounds, you make yourself available to the universe. Just keep cranking it out. Mm-hmm. And somebody finds you, they'll book you. Who knows? Absolutely, you hope so, and you hope the re- the relationships yeah. that you build with other comedians as you're coming up get you booked. Yeah, like uh, I would love to, you know, like a writing job is a, is a great alternative uh, or whatever kind of a byproduct of doing straight stand up. A lot of stand ups get hired for writing just on their performance alone, and that's something that I would do in a second. I'm not hell bent on being in front of the camera. I would gladly write stand up or television or film or internet content for any other act that was willing to pay. Have you have you ever been approached to be to have uh, um, to write for comedy for not, people? Yeah, sometimes for corporate gigs. If some some guys get gigs for corporate work, because I'm a cleaner act, right? And they'll say, "Hey, can you write me up five minutes or ten minutes on this company?" Um, or some girls sometimes, if they're just beginning, they'd be like, "Hey, can you help me structure an act?" And they maybe have some money, 
and uh, well, I sound like a pimp. They have some money and pimping ain't easy, baby. Uh, yeah, yeah, and they want to help with their act, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll help, you know, for money, of course, I'll sit down and and you know, let's let's figure out what's interesting about you, and let's get that in front of people because I, I was listening to some Stern uh, reruns uh, right. a couple weeks ago, and he had who did he have on? He had uh, Jim Brewer and Tr- not not Tracy McDonald. He had Jim Brewer and one other guy on. Uh, and he was funny. He was hilarious, and he was going off and doing impressions. And then, you know, the next episode was he had Rosie, Rosie on, or, uh, yeah, Rosie O'Donnell in an interview. All right. And the Rosie interview was so much more interesting because it was so much more real, and it was about Rosie, and it was true life, and it wasn't her just being loud and like, hey, here's a voice, here's a voice, here's a character, here's something that didn't happen, but I'll make funny. <laughs> you know, here's a false premise. And... um it was just it was so it was so good and and Rosie's not necessarily someone that I'm drawn to but the interview is fantastic and so yeah you you try to get out you can only do these fake jokes about yourself for so long before it's like all right so this is what's going on in my life you know absolutely and it's funny because when you start your comedy what you did for me you know what I did two years ago I'm starting to say you know I, I don't want to be doing those same jokes anymore because you know when you for me I only get out to do comedy. You know, if I'm lucky, 10 times in a month, you know, that's mm-hmm. for open mics. And a lot of times I don't get that much stage time, uh, you know, on right. stage 10 times in a month between the radio show and regular work. It just doesn't happen. So I, I think for me, it takes longer for me to build my material. But the material I, I build and keep is a little bit more solid because I have just time to work on it a little bit slower and narrow it down a little bit more um, where other people just write consistently and they're always out there with just new jokes every week and i'm just like wow i'm a little fucking jealous of that you know yeah yeah you also don't want to be 60 years old doing jokes about britney spears you know absolutely not or or fat guy jokes anymore which is pretty much my whole act up until this point is fat guy jokes (laughs) and you know it is what it is you just got to go with the obvious just just to address the big elephant in the room which is normally me i'm a big dude I take up right. half a stage, so let's just pick about you know pick on it. Well, you're in Florida. It's like a lot of people move to Florida. A lot of people move to Texas to California, and I don't know if it's because of the weather or if it's because as a country we're getting so fat that we're actually all sliding down the planet. <laughs> you know, we're like making our way towards Antarctica in a hurry. Yes, I think everybody wants to come down here to die. They do. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And I got here I'm and I was die like, warm. I'm like, <laughs> how the hell did I not come here twenty years ago? Like, why the fuck was I shoveling snow? And I don't even know why I'm cursing, because you're not. Normally, I don't swear, but uh, yeah. why was I no, shoveling I snow for all the time? time that are like, oh, this heat? I'll take it. I'll Absolutely. Take it. They're like, Dave, you're such a big guy. How do you handle the heat? Because I'm only out in it for three minutes walking to the job, and my <laughs> eight, my car is AC'd. My apartment's at 72. I got yeah. the chill factor ready. You know, I could deal with, you know, a little bit of heat and the three-minute walk. The evenings are right, great. Night like comfort. Oh yeah, the nighttime swimming is great. I don't need to be out there when it's a uh, hundred degrees and humid. I go swimming at eight o'clock at night. It's beautiful out. Yeah, <laughs> the beaches are nice. It's funny. I was, uh, you know, when it comes to the beaches, it, you know, when you grow up in New York, you know, I'm forty now, so you grow up with all of the mm-hmm. the hype of spring break, and you never make it there as a teen or in your early twenties. Now I live in Clearwater. And people come here for spring break all the time. And now right. everything everything that I used to have that was somewhat snug or tight as a kid 
has proceeded to grow bigger and get boobalicious and fatter. <laughs> and now when spring break is three miles down the road, I don't want to go to the be the beach because I don't want to be the fat old guy on the news that's staring at these 18-year-old teeny boppers and 21-year-olds on spring break because that's what happens. You, I'm going to be the guy on Bay News 9 News or News in New York. Look at all the spring breakers and look at the guy drinking the pina colada with that big belly and tits. I just can't have that be me. No, no, that's funny. That's so true. It's like that Chris Rock bit. You don't want to be the oldest guy at the club. No. (laughs) Eventually you get married because, you know, you just, and you're not that old. You're just the oldest guy at the club. Very true. But what'll be nice once we're like really old, it'll be nice because then we'll just be seen as dirty old men. So we can, there is a time where we can go back to looking at the younger girls and it's like, oh, okay, now it's not creepy because it's so impossible that it would ever happen. <laughs> it is amazing um, what you can get away with when you're an old man, what you can say, do, touch, anything. Oh, he's an old man. It don't matter. He's harmless. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and it's funny. Uh, I, I don't say it often, but I, I'm a, when I say I'm a big dude, I'm, I'm obese, I guess, but I'm, I'm to the point where if I walk up to you, there's no saying, hey, Dave, you're big boned. It doesn't matter that 10 years ago I worked out and I was a big guy. I'm just a fat guy now. So yeah. I, I just, I go up to everybody is if they just see the first thing as I walk up is, holy shit, this guy is fat. If I think that right. in my head, I actually don't care what they think about me. It just gives me the freedom to just walk up and say whatever I want, be as outrageous or as cocky. I'm just like, hey. This is who I am, and it's funny. I had less confidence when I was lighter and younger than I do now that I'm fat and 40. I'm just like, it's funny. I I do better with the ladies. I do better even at comedy. It's the attention that I have or the growth came as I got bigger, which is crazy. Now I'm like, damn, I got to stay fat to be happy? That's horrible. I don't want to be fat and happy. Yeah, because it's it's like... You, you've seen what's going to happen. You've seen enough things now. It's like, I'm not going to react so much anymore. I'm just going to go. Absolutely. And it's fun. You it's know, uh, whole, the whole craziness. Whole thing about, uh, I mean, we're kind of, not, not that we're on our back, on the back nine as we get older, but uh, no, it's, it's just a lot more. You're, we're more selective. I used to look at beautiful women and think, wow, I'd really like to be with her. Now I see a beautiful woman, and all I think is, oh, man, her boyfriend must have to put up with a lot. God, <laughs> you know, that looks painful, man. Absolutely. So it's, like, liberating. Yeah, no more. There's no wallet drainers, nobody that wants to stay at your house. And I got a bachelor pad, and it's probably better that I don't bring people there. I, I try to plan my dates around where they live. Oh, uh-huh. you live in that town? Oh, I'll come out. We'll go out out there just in case I'm getting lucky. I don't want to have to clean my house for you. I'll just go to your house. Let's just go over there. Yeah, yeah. It's, and women, same way. Women know what they know how to hit an orgasm quicker. So they're like, uh, just touch there if you could, and then we'll be good. You know, it's like it's not like dealing with a twenty-five-year-old that's still finding her. It's funny. Uh, I, I actually appreciate that because when I go on Match. dot com a little bit and I get some dates, I look for the girls that are thirty-five to forty-five and. They're like, yeah, this is what I want. Do you think you could do this? All right, bring a pizza and come to my house. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Did you want pepperoni on That's that? So funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's just like, look, this is the, this is how it's going to be. It so is. Let's do it now. The quicker we get the truth here, 
the less lies and surprises we're going to have later on. Yes, and that's why I immediately turn on the perv from the second they meet me. I just become the perverted, fat, funny guy. And this way, yeah, when then, then there's nowhere to go but up, and <laughs> there's not going to be any shock. Yeah, if they stay with you more than five minutes, they're obviously into the perverted, fat, funny guy, and there you go. You got the answers right up yeah. front. <laughs> that's one of the things you like about all the online dating that's out there now. You know if they're conversating, they see what you look like. It's great. All right. So you're here. Bing, 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 bing. Yeah, you go into that first date knowing more about the other person than two alcoholics who've dated for 20 years. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, oh, okay, I know everything. I mean, two alcoholics sober up, and it's like, oh, hey, I used to, uh, you know, I used to kill people for a living. Oh, wow, nothing, no problem. I used to be a man. Oh, wow, we should have talked. <laughs> you know? like, Wish I would have met you before my surprises. seventh Jack and Coke. Yeah, Jesus, like, oh, God. But online, you know, do, do, are I know you, a lot. Do you do any dating online, or you get all your lovely ladies um, after not the shows? Yet, not yet, but uh, I'm not against it, because I, uh, I'm i getting older. I don't know if anybody else is getting older out there, but uh, I'm getting older, and it's just, and you, I don't know, I, I kind of, you meet a lot of people at shows, you meet a lot of people traveling, but uh, it's, it'll never be enough. So eventually it's like, all right, maybe um, let's look for something real. And online is more popular than bars now. I mean, it is. You don't, you just don't meet. And like bars is like, I find people not as approachable in bars anymore. It's almost like a girl's put off if someone starts talking or in a bar, whereas, you know, 15, 20 years ago, uh, in much further before that, it was commonplace. But now it's like, Jesus, now a bar, it's almost like, what are you doing? Oh, you're hitting on me? No, I do that stuff online. Uh, but what's <laughs> nice about the bars is you always have some, you have alcohol to blame if things don't go right. You know, there you can't you do that at coffee shops. Very it's true. Like, oh, sorry, I grabbed your ass, too much mocha latte. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it looked as sweet as but, the chocolate. Uh, yeah. But no, people are doing it. People are online dating, outsourcing. And a lot of my friends have, and they've been successful. And I, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. Use I, the technology. Yeah. It's like a smorgasbord. I like buffets, and I could just you know? pick out a buffet of beautiful women online. You go to Match.com, and there's just thousands of girls in every city, and one of them's going to be bound to like you within the first week. Right. Somebody, somebody who you're attracted to will like you back. Well, there's that a mission. Nice, huh? You just got to go out there. and get out the door. Yeah. I'm just tired of trying to get out the door, uh, get away from my semen because it's on someone who I don't care for. <laughs> like, you know, it gets old after, you know. It gets old, but it's still fun. It's not horrible. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it's easier. And you're just like, oh, God, why? Why did I? But uh, I don't have too many of the, you know, oh, God, why's because I normally don't do it drunk. But And it's a lot of it's online or, you know, sometimes I get picked up. Not often. Like, it happened a couple weeks ago. I got picked up. It was pretty neat. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, it was a great experience. It's like it, it was great, and who knows? The girl may even be listening to the show. But I was at work, right. and I gave her my business card, and she's like, uh, "Is this your personal number?" And I'm, "No, but you can call if you need anything. Just let me know." She goes, "You got a girlfriend that's going to be answering that phone?" I'm like, "Oh, wait a minute! I didn't realize I was being picked up on yet. Now I know. Right, right. Hold on. <laughs> no, no one's going to answer that phone but me." Call it whenever you want. I'm happy to answer. And we had a good time. We went out last Friday. We don't know when it's happening. Exactly. I wonder, after that happened, I said, I wonder how many other uh, 
opportunities I missed out on because I was too oblivious or I was caught up in the sale or the transaction and I'm like, you know, I just didn't, they were, I would, they just weren't blunt enough. You know, maybe I'm just that dumb or that fat and I yeah, was just no, thinking about my of, next sure meal. plenty of opportunities that it's like, oh, I didn't realize that was happening. <laughs> but you got to make it clear, girls, you know, because we're. We are dumb. We admit it. it. Just tap our shoulder and say, hey, dummy, I was trying to give you a wink. Why are you swatting yeah. the flies? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't know what we're doing, girls. Yes. So, And I'll tell you, it's funny because girls shouldn't always wait to uh, to be hit on because if you're only open to people that are hitting on you, you're leaving it open for just jerks. Absolutely. Um, so you can take that first step, ladies. And and then if the guy, like if I ever get approached and a, a lady approaches, then she does, you know, she does the initiation then I take the next nine steps. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. I got it from here. And most guys got it from here. Yes. Well, because if they're hitting but, on you, they give you all the confidence in the world. You're like, oh, shit, she's hitting on me. I got this is solid gold. I'm in. I'm in. Perfect, this girl's yeah. being aggressive. I didn't have to say nothing. She just told me she liked me. Sweet. But you got to be right, careful because you, you could be a little too cocky and be like, uh, I said I liked you, but don't make me smack you down. That just doesn't mean you're getting in the sack, kid. Right, right, right. My, uh, I have an uncle. My uncle, uh, my uncle Tom, who is my aunt's husband. Obviously, he, he used to tell us when we were kids because he, she was, she was younger, so she, they were just getting married as we were kids. And he was cool, man. He was like Tom Selleck in real life. He had the mustache, the leather jacket. He was a fireman, and he used to tell us. He'd say, "Never be that nice to him. You know, don't ever tell him how much you like him." And we we're like, "God, Tom's a jerk. You know, he's so mean." And here we are, twenty years later, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, Tom was exactly right." He was exactly right. And he's happily married today with three kids. There you go. And it's, you know, I think women have caught on to it. Women are, have become a lot more aggressive in life. Uh, You know, a lot of times a woman works as hard as you, makes more money than you, and doesn't need you, Mm -hmm. except for the fact that she wants companionship. So you got to kind of be on your A game. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to recognize Absolutely. But, hey, I, I hope to meet a sugar mama that makes a lot more money than me soon. If you'd like to look me up, you can email me if you're a sugar mama at let's be frank with Dave Frank at yahoo.com. Send me your, I don't know, the value of your checking account, and then we yeah, can talk yeah, about your yeah, sizes. Salary bracket, please. Yes. Yeah. Well, if it's going to be a sugar mama, we got to know about the wallet yeah. first. The rest I can work with because right. they say you, you get prettier with, with the more alcohol, but, you know, I think the more zeros on the end of your checkbook, that's going to really give me some chub. Definitely. That's what you want? No, it's no. Uh, <laughs> let's cut through it. I don't know what. Absolutely. What I would love to just be a kept you know, man. We think we're following, but we're wasting a lot of time. Absolutely. I would love to be a kept man. I know all the women want to go out and work. Honey, go out and make $150,000 a year. I will cook and clean the house. Absolutely. Oh. I would yeah. love to be a house Yeah, because bum. she was able to figure out the system better than we were. Oh, God bless. God, you know, go like, make some money. I will have dinner ready for you when you get home. That perfect. might sound horrible, Everybody's but happy. I don't care. Absolutely. I could. I have to get better at doing laundry, cooking, and cleaning, but I'll be willing to. <laughs> I'm not yeah. very good at it now. I, had to, I ran home from work tonight, did laundry, and then ran up to the show because I wouldn't have made it to work tomorrow with clean underwear or socks if I didn't, if that gives you any indication of how crazy I go. And I'm 40. You would think I'd have this mastered by now, you know? I should have my laundry done. 
I should be responsible yeah. to do this. But no, it's yeah, like yeah, the, because you cut down because you're the thing is we we want so much and there's thirty things and you get older and it's like you know what there's only eight things. <laughs> yep, Let's I want to focus eat. on these eight. Why are we always worried about all this? The appearances, it's a joke. Exactly. I got I got my five nice shirts. I got my pants, and hopefully I remember to wash them and clean them before I need them again. Yeah. And so, everything possibly imaginable is on television or, or TiVo or Netflix or whatever. Absolutely. So when you're not but, out uh, doing comedy, what do you like to do aside from doing comedy? You're a golfer. I know you like some sports. That's a good question. The uh, You know, my buddies and I grew up grew up in Orange County, so they, uh, a lot of them golf. I never got into golf. Uh, but... Uh, and the outdoorsy stuff, I didn't, I didn't love because I'm pretty fair skinned. So I, you know, I'm out. That's in the that Irish hours and I'm burnt. Is that the Irish side? Yeah, that would be the Irish side. There's German there that 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 holds it okay, but the Irish side is uh, it's brutal. You know, I can't. It's like, oh, put sunblock on. Yeah, I'm still getting. You know, I don't want to look like I'm in a kabuki play. You know, uh, so it's like you put on SPF 100 for. Uh, you know, for an hour, and you look like a ghost out on the beach, and that's no fun. And so you just uh, so, like, yeah, the outdoor stuff. I never, I, I didn't, I didn't love. But so, what um, are you playing Nintendo? But I love Wii? film. You know, I love film. I love sports. I do like to, you know, throw a little money down on a team. Ooh, we're into feeling. the gambling, man, huh? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Not, not poker or, uh, or anything. But, but on uh, your teams, with, you know. Now, are we talking about bookie bets, or are we talking about the little, uh, what, what do they call them, that, the, that everybody has at their job, the boxes? Are you buying boxes, or are you calling Vito oh, the Oh, no, no, not buying boxes. Like, you know, bookie stuff, or maybe my friend has a bookie here or there, and uh, I'll nice. go in with them on stuff. Greasy Lenny and, comes up uh, and says, what well, can I spot you? What do you want? How, who, yeah, who do you want yeah what do you need, buddy? Your best friend, and then, uh, <laughs> you know, you get a couple broken fingers by the end of the season. There you go. But, uh but it's fun, you know. Um, you know, I travel. It's good because you travel and you see a lot of family, and sometimes that's good or bad. Like I got, to, like I have a cousin, Mike Michael Keen, there in Clearwater, who, uh, you know, I, I get to travel to Florida and I'll see him, uh, or I'll see relatives in Toledo or Detroit. And it's like if I didn't have this job, I would never see them, which maybe would be a good thing too. But uh, <laughs> but you didn't know it till you got nice, there to see him. Yeah. It's, yeah, so it's a nice way to see the country sometime. And uh, and it's like nobody else gets to do that. I mean, well, like businessmen, but they're miserable. So it's a good Absolutely. way to see the country. And, and you get to see people. You're like, wow, this country has so many different types. This is amazing, man. Like, I can't believe that Arkansas and Michigan are in the same country. Or, <laughs> or Seattle and frickin', you know, Durham, North Carolina. That's the same. We're we're Americans. That's crazy. It's funny. I mean, it's uh, it, and I know you have Facebook and all that, but it's yeah. funny because you can compare America to some of the silly maps and stuff that people post on Facebook. And the most popular ones recently, with all the Chick Fil A humor and all that, have been, you know, how many states actually allow uh, gays to get married, and how many states actually don't have laws against uh, people having sex with horses. And first cousins getting married, and you're like, really? We're that backwoods where cousins are allowed to get married in New York and California, but alternative lifestyles and gay people can't get married. It's like, really? Let them be miserable, too. 
and you wonder looking back, like you, you look back on the fifties and sixties and see what, uh, how we treated, you know, black Americans. And it's like, what are we doing now? That, that I'm sure we're doing something now that looking back, we don't think right now is bad, but looking back, we'll be like, wow, I can't believe we did that. We were that bad. And I think it is, I think it is gay marriage, how we treat, how we treat the gay population. And, uh, I mean, definitely changes and, and revolutions are taking place. And I think Arab Americans too, how we've treated them. Those will be the two looking back that we're like, wow, we were really bad. Yeah. Nobody even but, thought uh, anything about them until yeah. 10 years ago tomorrow. Really? You know what I mean? It's nobody yeah. even really thought about that. Now it's, yeah. but you know, I'm kind of past all that. You know, as I said, I'm 40. I don't think everybody that's got a, a turban or whatever it is, you know, that's wearing it or, you know, I, I just don't think like that. Uh, maybe that, you know, I don't want to be the guy that worries that everybody that looks a little bit different than him is, you know, going to be bad. I, I can't go through life thinking like that. I'd be paranoid. Yeah, no, that'd be, that'd be, it'd be crazy. It'd but be there's crazy people like that. Like, there's people like that. that hell bent on it, then, uh, then, then it probably is going to happen, but the chances we're all pretty safe. I mean, there's so much fear. Yes, there is out there that that, that politicians thrive on, and uh, you just got to realize, okay, that that's manufactured. Absolutely. Uh, so, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 good, and, and you do have to maintain hobbies because you're gonna go nuts. You're gonna go nuts out there. I like to read, and uh, I, I I exercise a lot more. What kind of books are you reading? Uh, mystery novels? You know, um, you know, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did Gone with the Wind, and that took me four months. Or, I'm sorry, it took me four. Moby Dick took me four months, and now I'm on Gone with the Wind. It's taken me six months. So in the last ten months, I've read a book and a half. Nice. It's just, it's just <laughs> brutal. You know, there's just the language and and they're long books. And um, now those now but, will, will uh, you just read that book, or do you have other books that you're reading along with that, or are you just reading? Uh, that no, that's it. That's it for Ooh. now. That's hard. Uh, but I did I did read a couple. You know what I like is that Chuck Klosterman. He's All right. kind of a uh, pop culture guy out of North Carolina, North Dakota, and he's fantastic. He's got four books out. And uh, and then I also like Malcolm Gladwell. I read a couple of his books. Nice. And uh, he's in, I think he's out of New York, I think. But, uh, but yeah, I like that. And on the airplane, you know, I travel a lot. And I remember when we were younger, you'd talk to people. But n- nowadays I think... People are like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to roll the dice here on home. Absolutely, the margin for error on this person is too big that that he's someone I don't want to talk to. So, yeah, people just want to so. be left alone to go about their lives. There's so much time when you're connected to the world between your cell phones and the internet and your computers and your laptops and your iPads that when you actually turn it off, you don't want to talk to nobody. I yeah. just finished talking. I know I was typing, but it feels like I was talking. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, you, you catch yourself uh, texting and, and looping. I don't know if you ever watched that show, Portlandia, but there is a, a sketch where Fred Armisen is just, he's tweeting, then he's texting, then he's uh, on his Facebook page, then he's on his phone calling, and his friend has to go, you're in the loop. Come on, pull out, pull out. You're, like, you're spiraling. <laughs> you know? and, uh, it's out and of it control. It happens to all of us. It's like, just turn something off. Walk outside. It's funny. You see these kids and... Uh it's funny. I can't even say you see these kids. It fucking shows how old I'm becoming. But, uh, you know, you, you grab some of their cell phones and they sent 20,000 text messages in a month. Like, really? Oh. 20,000? When when did you read a book or go to school or play a sport? What did you do all day? All you did was te- 20,000 text messages? 
It's ridiculous. Yeah. That's too much. That's absurd. That's when you got to step in. I mean, that's one thing that I don't like. I see, you know, a lot of young parents, even my friends, and with their kids, and they throw them in front of the TV or some video games. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Get them out playing catch. They don't even have to like sports, but get them outdoors yeah. running around a little bit. Cry many. Friday night or, or Saturday morning, my father would say, you know, it's 8 o'clock, get out of the house, don't come home till the sun comes down. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even in the town I grew up in, which, you know, it's an hour out of Manhattan, maybe just a little bit more, it's developed so much that I don't know if I had a kid there that I would just say, hey, go ride your bike on a Saturday afternoon and don't come back. Now, I would right. probably say, with your 10 to 15 years old, here's your cell phone, and make sure you call me when you get where you're going, and when you're leaving there to come back, I want to know, too. And maybe it's oh. just because we have that technology that we want to be that parenting, but who knows? Maybe I'd be relaxed, Dad, and not give a shit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, it is hard to say what it would be like. Yeah, I, think, say, I don't think I, I could. I know what you're talking about. I remember going to the mall, and like you're not seeing your parents for six or eight hours. Absolutely. I remember what it was like that first girlfriend when she left you for the day and she's going out on her own with a girlfriend. You're like, what's she going to do? Yeah. You're, you're, you know, you're 17, 18, or 15 years old, however you were. Could you imagine if that was some kid that you love with your heart and soul? I can't. Not yet. It's scary to think that would happen. Whew. Yeah, that would be. I, I, don't like taking yeah. my, I don't like taking care of myself yeah, two days in a row. Have you, have you watched any of that uh, Jerry Seinfeld new internet series where he's talking with comedians in cars drinking coffee I, I did not not yet it's uh it's really it's really good it's interesting it's, it's him and he calls one of his comedy buddies some of them are famous some of them we don't know uh, and then some of them are only famous within the comedy world and he'll rent a car like a classic car you know he and Jay Leno love the cars and uh, they'll rent a, a real nice car and go out and have coffee or lunch somewhere and they film it and they're only 10 minute segments and they just kind of shoot the breeze and they're hilarious, man. They're so funny. Absolutely. And he I'm had sure. Larry David. He had uh, Ricky Gervais. He had Alec Baldwin. And he had Brian Regan. And then they're all really well done. I'm sure. I mean, those guys are all great. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm sure it's not te- a straight 10 minutes. It's got to probably be cut and edited a little bit, right? Or Yeah, it's cut. Like, he, he'll call, hey, what are you doing? Hey, nothing. Let's go get some coffee. Then he picks them up. He explains what car he rented. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, they'll go. They'll drive. And it's either L.A. or New York. And, like, in this last one I just saw, they took the Lincoln Tunnel over to Jersey, and they're, like, making fun of the Lincoln Tunnel. Like, I don't think Lincoln approved this. I don't think he wanted a <laughs> tunnel in his name connecting Manhattan and Jersey. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah, like, those are two states he definitely would not have wanted to combine. Yeah, <laughs> right. Keep these two bastards apart. And it's, it's different. Like, if I, when I leave this earth, I don't want anything named after me. You know, I don't want my corpse taking up space for people. I don't want anything named after me. What is it that you yeah. want? How, how do you want the world to remember Patrick Keene? I don't know. Just maybe uh, maybe some comedy clips, some clips that people can play in some capacity and listen and laugh and go, oh, wow, are you saying this then? This is true in our time. Well, shit. You know, that means you're ready to go. They could see that now. You just go to your website. Oh, well, then I, you're, yeah, you're done. Well, then don't go to my website, guys. Yes, <laughs> don't go there. Tell, tell everybody, because we only got a couple minutes left in the show. So, Patrick, tell everybody where they can find you, where your Twitter is and all that, or Twitter. Sure, sure. Uh, the Twitter handle is at Citizen Keen, and uh, it's my name, Patrick Keen, but it's Citizen Keen, a spoof of Citizen Kane, and it's spelled K-E-A-N-E, like the band from England. And you're assuming and, uh, that most of the public can spell Citizen? I think so, yeah, I'm assuming. <laughs> you know, I'm All assuming. right. 
you know, not in California, maybe, but uh, I'm sure in Florida they're fine. Very highly but, educated uh, yeah. here in Florida. Yeah, you're. Uh, you guys, I think we're probably the same in terms of education, <laughs> but who knows? I'm going to say I'm glad I got my education in New York. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. These schools. <laughs> yeah, and also er- street credit. You learn a lot on the streets as well there. Oh yeah, but, the uh, badass streets of Middletown, New York, where uh, there was apple trees and. The mile, the, the mall was ten miles away. The rough, rough. Yeah. I learned how to jump in and yeah. out of my neighbor's pools without getting caught. Oh, <laughs> see, that's a tough upbringing. There you go. <laughs> I, I remember I was a little chubby kid trying to break dance with my friend Isaac Paddle. Like nice. really? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Well, then wasn't rerun? Rerun was a big guy. He was oh yeah. From what's happening, he was much better than me. <laughs> or, or at least he was on TV doing it. Nobody put me on TV breakdancing. I was right. lucky I suckered people out of five bucks here or there to teach them how to do bad breakdancing. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, well, I don't have, I have one video where I'm dancing, kind of. You can see on the website if you go to uh, www.citizenkeen.com uh, or you could go to YouTube, uh, Keen of Comedy. And uh, all those all those channels will get you all kinds of whether it's stand up or sketches or music videos. It's all there. There you go. Now, what's you do? Do you have some sketch comedies and things that you do? Do you enjoy those more? That I think so. I think they're they're not as hard to do. They're collaborative efforts. They're more of a team, which I like a lot. I, I like because that way, when it goes well, you have more people to celebrate with. Um, as great as stand up is, when it goes really well, you're on your own, even in good times. Yes, you know pe- people are happy for you, but but you're you're so elated and ecstatic, and it's like wow, I'm kind of alone right now in this weird place high above the clouds. Uh, but when an internet sketch goes well, or or some TV appearance, or some show, or a pilot, uh, you know it's teamwork. All right. So listen, yeah, I know you've live. yeah real quick. I know you've done a lot of other things. People can see you've been with Com- Comics Unleashed. Uh, on the Bob and Tom show, Tony Rock Project. Uh, everybody go to his website, check him out. Uh, his bio's up there, more links to comedy and videos. Uh, you have a shout-out? You have any uh, comedians that you travel with, aside from Josh, that you're going to be traveling with, some favorite shout-outs you want to give? Yeah, yeah. Henry Phillips is great. He's a guitar comedian. He's got a movie out that he put me in. He put me in this movie called Punching the Clown, which if it's on Netflix and uh he's got a lot of great comics in there some famous some uh some only famous in comedy circles and uh he's great henry phillips punching the clown and i'm in that movie with him sounds good well listen i want to thank you very much for calling in tonight um hey, frank thank you sir yeah it's a pleasure thank you and guys uh now you and josh are in the same man managed by the same guy right oh at the mcdonald yeah. agency is John it mcdonald Yep. How, how was it like, uh, what, you know, another quick question before we go. I forgot to ask it, actually. Yeah. Pre-having an agent or someone that handles that and before, how much easier is it? How much has it played a, a benefit in you having a good agent behind you? Yeah, it's a world of difference, especially when it's someone like John who has been around, who knows what he's doing. And, it, like, a phone call from him, like, it would take me a thousand phone calls. It takes him one to get something done, to get a, 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 a clip of your stand-up submitted, you know, to get uh, to get someone on the phone who's in development to take a pitch meeting, to get booked somewhere. 
and and there's guidance and there's love there. And the best thing is he's such a pro. You don't know how many clients he has, and you're always, you always feel like you're his only client. And cool. that's the biggest thing. And there's never talk because he's got clients, you know, all across the board. They're doing really well. Some maybe not so well. But you wouldn't know that because when you're talking with him, when you're with him, you know, you're only talking about you. Absolutely. Well, listen, I appreciate that. I think I'm actually going to see after we have another comic or two we're going to talk to. I think we're going to see if we can have – I haven't even asked him yet. But I'm going to see if John wants to call in and talk a little bit about his role in comedy. I think it would be a good avenue and and a good way for people to learn more because we have a lot lot of comedians. He went to Iowa, and I think he started Florida, started in Florida, his show business, before he brought it out here. Yeah, well, I, I think I'm going to shoot him an email over the next two days, so don't even tell him yet, but hopefully he'll sure, want to call in. Not. He seems like a real nice guy. He's been very easy to talk to and get you know uh, in line with you guys to have you come on the show. So I think it'll be an interesting point of view to, to see what he's doing and how he feels about sure. comedy and how he got into it. So I listen. That's a great idea. Thank you very much. And again, thank you for tuning in uh, and calling in tonight and... Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'll probably catch up with you tomorrow or later tonight, and we'll go from there, Patrick, all right? All right, Dave. Thanks so much, buddy. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a great night, and we'll speak to you next week. Thanks for listening in to the Let's Be Frank show on ComedySlamRadio.com. If you missed this show or would like to catch up on past shows, visit us on Stitcher Radio and iTunes at Let's Be Frank's podcast. And have a great night. We'll see you next week.